Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in today. This episode is a special one for all the OT entrepreneurs. So if this is you, I want to take a moment to invite you to the Telehealth OT Entrepreneurs Community on Facebook, where I'm providing lots of value and answering the number one question, how to get new clients. So if you have a telehealth business that you just started or you're struggling to find new clients, this is the group for you. Head on over to Facebook to join us. The link is in the show notes for you. Hello and welcome to the Telehealth OT Podcast, where occupational therapists, parents, caregivers, and patients share their telehealth stories. My name is Dr. Reina Oliveira, and I am the owner of Telehealth OT Services, where we specialize in working with children with autism and also provide education and trainings to occupational therapists about telehealth. I have been able to share my story with the world, and now I am extremely happy to give others the opportunity to do the same. Welcome to today's episode. Um, if you have been a follower since the very beginning, you'll notice that most of my guests are occupational therapists. Today is the exception. We have Sarah Lane from Sarah Lane Billing here. She was recommended by a few people in, on Facebook and she handles all their billing, which is so daunting to me. I know nothing about billing, so I'm super excited to learn um, the ins and outs of what's going on in the insurance world and occupational therapy. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is fun. <laughs> so why don't you just tell everyone a little bit about you, your journey, how you got to where you are, and your company. Uh, my name is Sarah. I live in Florida. Um, I started way back when doing totally different than billing. I was in loss prevention. And then I had a child who at the age of three was diagnosed with developmental delay. So I gave up my world so that I could get her the therapy she needed. And so I was part of the OTPT speech hippotherapy world for a while. Um, She went and went into school and was mainstreamed and Um, She was diagnosed with Asperger's, but high-functioning Asperger's, and she started school. I decided it was time for a life change, and I went back to college and started taking administration for medical, and I liked it, but then I really liked billing and coding, and I went back for another degree in billing and coding, graduated, got a job in a... PTOT speech clinic for pediatrics, stayed there for two and a half years, and my daughter was going into high school, so it was perfect time for a change in my life, and we packed up and moved from Maine to Florida, and a couple of people I work for started their business, and I started helping them with credentialing, and then I've done their billing, and That person has helped me out tremendously with the OT world and putting my name out there. So now I work from home. I have a bunch of different clients. I go from both pediatrics to adults, and I absolutely love doing what I do. 
it's amazing. What a journey. Obviously, we don't know each other, so I didn't know about your story with your daughter and how you got into the OT world. And so, um, yeah, very nice to hear that you've been involved in it, you know, in one way or another. And now you're on the other side helping us. And I know that all of your people that recommended you definitely appreciate you. So that's great. Thank Um, you. So... So what made, I know that we're going to talk about building and we'll get into that in a minute, but what, like, what made you start your business and what was that journey? Like I, I talk and I coach a lot of entrepreneurs on starting their businesses. And so I'm just curious, like what that journey was like for you when you decided to start your business, naming your business, give us a little insight into that. (laughs) Well, I, the clinic that I worked for up in Maine, I still actually work for them, but I was at that point where I was like, all right, I can do billing from home. My daughter's old enough. My parents live in Florida. They're getting older. So I wanted to be closer to them. And I figured it was the perfect time. I came down here thinking that I'd go get a job at a doctor's office, but with being in the OTPT speech world, I didn't have the experience to go into a doctor's office. And then um, one of the providers, she decided she was going to start. So I helped her and I really, really liked doing it. Um, I just, just used my name. I really didn't think about it. And then she's just helped me out so much in starting this. And um, I still, I mean, I still work for the person in Maine. She's been a great help too to me. And so it's been fun networking and learning new things and, meeting new people along this way and I'm having so much fun. I love it. I love that you said I didn't even think about my name too much because like as an OT, (laughs) if anyone is listening and you're an OT and trying to choose a name, take some advice from Sarah because we tend to overanalyze the name of our business to death. It paralyzes people from getting started. So I love that. She just went with her name. Simple, easy to remember. Nothing to it. Love it. (laughs) Um, So, all right. So let's talk now about like, oh my gosh, give me the insurance basics. Like if I wanted to get started, which I am, I don't take insurance. I think most people know that by now. I don't take insurance. I'm a cash-based provider, but I have been thinking about um, accepting Medicaid. So what is like the very first thing that I would need to know in order to start taking insurance? Well, a couple of things. You definitely need a group MPI, which is the best thing because just in case some way down the road you decide to hire more people, you'll have your group MPI. You need that for credentialing. Um, Your CAQH, a lot of people don't know about that, in which CAQH is really your online resume. Every insurance company goes to CAQH to find out about you, your previous jobs, your college, any training you've had, it's all in there and they have to have your CAQH to get you credentialed. Um, and then just have, you have to have your, a letter from the IRS saying that, you know, this is my tax ID, this is my name of my company, and then you start from there. Um, but those are the three major things, your tax ID, your MPI, two, and your CAQH. All right, great. So I had heard about the group MPI and I and I know the the abbreviation of CAQH, but I didn't really know that it was 
like you said, an online resume. So that's very, that's news to me. And I love that um, explanation about that. That's what they, it's interesting that that's what they want. They want to know all of everything about you and all your work history. I, I don't know why I thought it was like, I mean, I guess I, I understood it as a provider listing, but I didn't realize how important it was to have like all of your things in there, your school and all that. Do you know the yeah. relevance yeah, of that? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. But you also like when you're in there, you also have to have um, your liability insurance. I'm going to say it's just this way. It's easier for the insurance company just to look for everything all at once. I've dealt with a couple insurance companies that want a copy of the provider's um, resume just to see if there's a, a lapse in timeline. Um, but I think it's the CAQH is a lot more, everything is there for them. Um, you can also, some companies want you to put your banking information in there, um, which I've just been dealing with, with another company. And I, it's amazing I have any hair left because it was just the things that they wanted were just unbelievable, but it's just their way of having everything all together for you. Yeah. Um, so all providers, doctors, offices, they have to have it. Okay. Gotcha. So let's, let's talk about hair loss. So <laughs> one, of the reasons, one of the reasons why I haven't really gone into this world is because I keep hearing that it's like a really big headache and you know, hard to deal with all these insurance companies and, and all the requirements and all that stuff. Um, so would you recommend that someone go into, you know, the insurance world based on your experience? I, I know that there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of kids out there that unfortunately their parents can afford to pay, to pay cash from, for their providers in the med, you know, and a lot of these kids have Medicaid and I would say I would do 50, 50 if you don't want to do all the insurance companies at least have the Medicaid if that's what you want to stay with, you know, the younger kids that need the help and don't have the income to pay yeah. out of pocket. I love that. Cause that's where I'm uh, thinking about going to, because I have seen that unfortunately, you know, my caseload would probably be bigger if I wanted it to be. Um, if I took at least Medicaid, because most of the people that, you know, couldn't afford my services had Medicaid, um, yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. So we're in line about that. Okay. Um, so what about in the adult world? How do you feel about that? I am just getting my toes a little bit wet with that. Um, I was with a PT who had adults and now there's another OT that does both adults and teens. Um, so I'm really getting used to Medicare. Mm -hmm. um that was that one's fun too uh you have to be on you have to be on ball on that one because there's so many different things with that and but I like them both um they're both you know even with a patient that has Medicare you know they unfortunately sometimes can't afford to pay out of pocket too um yeah <laughs> so it goes yeah along the same lines yeah. All right. So now we're all set up. We have like our three main things to get us going. Um, what's next? If we don't, 
well, we could hire someone like you, but let's say we don't hire someone like you. What What's next in the process? Getting, from what I understand, getting credentialed with each insurance, right? Yes. So a lot of them is online. Um, some of them, it's all paper. So you have to do a lot of digging. Um, something I do is I go to the local area of different clinics and see what insurance companies they take. Mm. And then that way you can have an idea of what everybody else has. Um, That's a good idea. Just, yeah. That way, you know, here I am in Florida. If somebody wants to get credentialed in South Dakota, then I just look to see who's there and what theirs are and go from that. Um, but it's a lot of just, Figuring out exactly who, you know, pretty much who you want to go with and then filling it all out. And then a major thing is you, you send it in and a week later, you just want to call and just verify that they have your, your stuff, your information, because of some of them that you do online, it doesn't register. So I've credentialed some people with a company called to find out the status then they're like oh we never received it write down everything like when you send in all your paperwork when you've done everything online write down exactly what day if they give you a a tracking number make sure you have everything that way you have proof to call and just say this is what i did I love that. Following up is like so important in every aspect of business and definitely relates to this as well. I keep, I keep hearing a lot of people, it's like a waiting game and it's, you know, it could be months before you hear back. Yeah. Some insurance companies is right away. Others it's, it's between 60 and 90 days. So it's just, it's a really a waiting game. Yeah. So Really, people should get started sooner than later if they're really intent uh, going down this route. Yes. Okay. Um, so what about, okay, so now we've been credentialed. Um, we're ready to start taking, you know, our first client. So what, you know, what do we need to do so, to submit a claim? Um, when, once you get a client and their insurance, you want to call and verify that their coverage, you want to see what their deductible is, how many visit limits, um, if they need an authorization, um, and just verify everything. Once you see the person, the patient, you want to make sure you let them know you have a copayment, you have a deductible, what we'll do with your deductible is we'll send in your claim, the insurance company will turn around and tell us exactly how much we'll charge you. And so we'll bill you. But once you're all ready, um, you just need to make sure if you aren't with an EMR that you put your bills on a CMS 1500 form um, and then make sure that's filled out. Make sure you have your modifiers correct. your tax ID and everything in that, and then to send it out. And then the first, first time you're sending out claims, it takes a couple weeks just because they're, you're a new company. They're just getting your claims for the first time. So they have to put everything in. But then after that, it goes by a little faster. I do both paper claims and through an EMR. And 
the EMR is a lot faster, just so you know, just sending out your bills through that way. It's a lot faster than paper claims. Oh, wow. So I, so I use an EMR, I use simple practice and they have a billing um, section, which again, I don't use cause I don't uh, do cash, but um, if, if I were to hire you to do my billing, would you do my claims through simple practice? Yep. So um, I work with actually three different softwares. Um, so each one is different. One of them I have to take and download everything and then upload it into a clearinghouse. And then it goes out from the clearinghouse. Um, and then weekly I go in to the payers and see what has been paid or not. Others um, really, the another one I send. Um, I just, it goes out into a, the cloud and then it goes over to another clearinghouse. I go in, in and verify everything and make sure you have your correct modifier. You're not, you didn't hit 15 units of something. So it just makes sure everything is clean before I send it out. Um, and then it goes out. And then on that one, I can look in their clearinghouse to see when it was paid and everything else. Uh, and so that's what you pretty much do. You have to make sure it's all correct before you submit it, because then if it gets denied, you have a better idea that, oh, okay, I didn't put a modifier on. That's why it was denied. So this way you just double checking and making sure everything is, is correct before it goes out. Gotcha. So talking about denials, what are other reasons why a claim would be denied? Um, no authorization. Okay. Patient isn't, um, with that insurance company anymore. Um, we, <laughs> I've been playing with this with, um, one insurance company right now that they're saying that the provider isn't in network, but she is in network. So for the last six months, we've been trying to fight with them because she technically is in network, but they didn't upgrade on their computer system and somehow it got all messed up. So they deny everything. I have to go in and say, no, she is in network. So then they slowly are starting to pay. Um, another insurance company has been denying everything because in box 33A on a CMS 1500, it didn't have the billing, the MPI 2, it just had her um, MPI number one in there. So yeah, there's just little weird things that will be denied and then it's just easy to fix. You just have to do a corrected claim. But when you call about the claim, you want to find out if you need to do a corrected claim or a claims claim. And the difference between that is a clean claim is you're just sending it out the same way. In a corrected claim, you have to go off the past EOB that you sent in. They have the claim number. So you just resubmit with that claim number gotcha oh my gosh so much to know my brain right now is like <laughs> i love this well, i am learning so much um and like when you're setting up your your emr um there's in in your system there's a drop box for your payer so you need to have, make sure you know like just say etna Aetna has a payer ID and you need to make sure you have the right payer ID because there's different addresses. 
So that's another thing you need to know when you're setting up your, <laughs> your EMR. Oh my gosh. So that's why people ask for like the, the address on your back and the back of your insurance card. Yes. Because it will tell you the insurance address. It will tell you your payer ID. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so, all right, let's jump to modifiers. And I know this is like a really big deal, especially in the telehealth world. So what has been going on with filing claims and these modifiers? Well, first of all, explain what modifiers are to everybody. Um, and then, and then uh, tie it into telehealth for me. Well, a modifier is based on what you, what service you're providing. So occupational therapy is always going to be a GO. Physical therapists are GPs and speech therapists are GNs. So you want to make sure you have a modifier. Um, that way the insurance company can see what, what was done um, because physical therapists use the same codes like the 97530, the 97112, and that so they need to verify which you've gone to PT or OT. Um, so you have to do that. Then there's also with occupational therapy and physical therapy, there's a GO and then a 59, which you usually use with 97530. Um, you put that on so it's not bundled um, because they'll kick out claims if it's if you put 97530, 97110, 97112, altogether you have to put the 59 on the 97530 so it doesn't get denied. Mm. There's a good denial. Um, so with telehealth, there's GT and 95 are the two modifiers that you use to send out claims. Um, you definitely need to look at your insurance company, which modifier they want. Some want GT, some want 95. So you just want to verify which modifier they want so that you're sending it out correctly because that is another reason something will get denied if you put the GT and they wanted the 95. Gotcha. So is that something that you have to keep track of, like for each insurance, for each um, client of yours? Well, if, just say if a lot of them all had Anthem, then you know it's GT. Um, United, they want 95. So it's, it's, (laughs) So all your United kids would be under 95, all okay. your Anthem kids would be under GT. So you just kind of oh, yeah. know it. By now, you just kind of know it and you're, you have it memorized. Yes, I have it. Exactly. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. And you touched on codes and you're throwing out these five-digit numbers, which I've also heard about. Um, but <laughs> explain to everybody like what the billing codes are, how to choose a billing code. Um, and all that. Um, so, so pretty much what OTs use are, um, so for your evals, you have 97165, which is low capacity, um, 97166, which would be the moderate, um, moderate complexity, and 97167 is a high complexity. So that's what you use for your evals. Um, 97530 is used for both PT and OT, and it's your Thera activities. Um, 97112 is your neuro re-education. 
97110 is their exercises. Um, you have 97535, which is self-care home management. Um, and then 97140 is manual therapy. So it's all based on what you're doing for that day um, with your treatments. Gotcha. You have to figure out. So the, the provider needs to figure out which code to use. Um, and then a lot of the times, um, the, the clearinghouse will kick back a code just because it's not, um, not being used anymore. So if people have, for some reason, an older CPT manual that has codes that expired in 2019, it will kick it out for you. Mm. So another thing to stay on top of. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then CPT codes is another one. <laughs> you know, your ICD-10 codes, I'm sorry, is another thing. Um, you just need to make sure you have all the correct ICD-10 codes. Okay. So yeah, those I'm, those I'm more familiar with because I do put in those uh, diagnoses on my, on my uh, EMR. And just so everybody knows, there is like one of the best, I cheat all the time and then I go to ICD-10 dot, ICD-10data.com and that's like the best place to go in and just put in what you're think, thinking and it will tell you what the ICD-10 code is. Awesome. I love that. Always happy to have more resources because <laughs> my goodness, this is like so, I can't even take notes fast enough. This is just, <laughs> this is why we need people like you on here. So like even I'm such an independent person, but like even with me trying to say, oh, I'm going to figure it out. Like, I think I'm better off just hiring you because this is just like. <laughs> well, I mean, and here's a little thing is, and anybody who has ever called an insurance company and wants to talk to somebody, they will know this. You have, when they ask you for your insur their insurance number, um, sometimes it just doesn't recognize it. And it's like, please try again. And so my daughter has heard me screaming at the phone before <laughs> and it's just because it's like oh my gosh please don't take it and then they're like call back when you have a real number and I'm like oh so you do get oh. frustrated at the automated yeah <laughs> yeah oh my gosh I can only imagine like that happens to me when just trying to reach the doctor's office <laughs> like I can only imagine like <laughs> dealing with this and insurance all the time yeah um, what else? All right. I'm looking at your list of all the services you provide. We talked about credentialing, billing, denials, benefits, uh, and CAQH. I think the only thing we skipped over was authorizations. So give us the lowdown on getting authorization. Um, you mentioned that briefly in the beginning saying, um, you know, people needed to have authorization right before getting started. Yeah. So so when you call and you find out that they need an authorization, you usually ask, um, do you need an evaluation before the eval or after the eval? And mostly they want it right after the eval. Um, so just say like Anthem, they go through a network called AIM um, to get their the authorization. So either you can be on their website or you can call them 
um, and then you pretty much give them all of the information from your evaluation and they'll make a judgment on if you're allowed to have visits or not. Um, it will be usually authorizations are like 25 visits for three months. Um, I have like a binder, a, a weekly calendar that I have all of the kids that need authorizations in it. Um, most EMRs have it. So you put your authorizations in just so you can keep track. Um, because there are times where you're like, oh, wow, look at that. I went over my authorizations. A lot of the insurance companies are cool and they'll let you get a new one right away. Others will be like, yeah, nope. Um, no, you have to start again. But <laughs> yeah, you definitely need authorizations if they need it. Um, Cigna goes through a company called ASH for a lot of occupational therapists, and they usually rec they want um, an authorization five after five visits. So it's all based on the insurance company how many, when they want it, um, after the eval, before the eval. Sometimes you need to get a prior authorization before you start seeing a kid. That way, they have. You know, if you're a desperate, especially if you're out of network, they'll ask you for a um, prior off. Okay. So I remember when I was working um, in the clinic that a lot of these kiddos that had um, like CMS or Medicaid, sometimes they would be on hold for like six months due to the authorization. What's been your experience like with that? Um, usually usually it's not that long um i know some for adults it's longer and but for kids it's it's definitely right away they'll give you one um it might be two or three days but usually after you see a patient you do their eval i like to do them as soon as the, they they give me the eval and then I'll have a, have word in a couple of days, and then we can schedule them for upcoming visits. Um, then when you're seeing the kid and then you have an auth that is needed, I usually like to say, let's skip the next visit until the authorization that has been approved. Um, that way, just in case the authorization doesn't go through, they're not paying out of pocket for that that visit. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe this is, this has been a while. So maybe it's gotten better. I hope because oof, we've had, we had so many kiddos that were on hold for like months and they couldn't get the authorization oh. back. Um, oh, that after the, not, not the initial one, but just like, uh, you know, follow up the six yeah. months of care or whatever it was. Um, so oh. what, I know you're based in Florida and I, and we always talk about how insurance, um, you know, regulations vary by state. So what states do you service? <laughs> so far I'm doing Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Tennessee, North Carolina, California. And Florida. No, I haven't, I don't have anybody in Florida yet. Oh, okay. But yeah, I have pretty much New England and then here and there so far. <laughs> okay. So it, 
you know, is that just because of like where your clients, so it doesn't matter where your clients are. You, you, are you open? Oh, okay. So you can serve anyone in the United States. Yep. I sure can. Okay, cool. I, yeah, for, well, as you know, like with telehealth, we're always looking at, um, you know, where the, where the practitioner is licensed and where they can work and all that. So with, for you, it doesn't matter. Like you don't have any boundaries. No, it doesn't matter because technically really I go, the easiest way for me to work is to go off of your EMR. Um, so with the different clients I have, providers I have, um, they just add me to their EMR. So I just do their billing from their own EMR. Um, so it's not, so t- technically I'm working for them in their clinic, but I'm just remote. Okay. So you go in as like a non-clinical <laughs> staff into these yeah. EMRs. Yeah. Yeah. I go go in as administration. Gotcha. And then you can just do it all from home, right? From the EMR and be on the phone all day. <laughs> Very cool. Well, that's good that it's like, you know, flexible for you and you can get clients nationally and everything. It sounds like, I mean, well, first of all, kudos to you because all this information is like, wow, um, mind boggling. <laughs> and <laughs> I know, and I definitely understand why people don't want to go into it, but I do appreciate the fact like that you said, you know, we talked about already that there are people that are not being served um, because they don't have Medicaid. And I talked to yeah. um, one of my, I talked to one of my doctors about it and they said the same thing, you know, it's like they, they don't care. This particular doctor, he said, I don't care um, about the reimbursement. And he told me their reimbursement rates is like way different from um, Medicaid to private insurance. But he's like, I don't care because those people still need to be served. And so yeah, definitely, yeah, it's definitely definitely the amounts in the different states is different for each Medicaid and just knowing the different rates it's unbelievable what the states pay the providers um but I mean I can understand it's like you know they want to help those children that don't have the help that need the help the most I think sometimes um because they're just being being sort of kind of pushed aside and you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um I from what I understand the Medicaid um reimbursement rates are available or accessible online. Is that right? Nobody will give you a fee schedule until you are credentialed. Uh, um just because they don't want you to pick and choose, honestly. They want you to join and then they'll give you the fee schedule. And then you can always, after you've received everything, then you can back out of that contract with them. Um, but it is hard not to get, you know, I've been asked for fee schedules and it's hard because a lot of the provide, you know, the credit companies don't want you to have it until you're fully credentialed with them. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So aside from, um, yeah, aside from looking at your local clinics and who they're credentialed with, What's another like way to narrow it down? Because there's so many options. Um, pretty much what your community is um, based on, you know, like TRICARE. Some some people don't have any active military people in their area, so you really don't need the TRICARE. Okay. Um, that's for pediatric. Um, then there's the Humana for Medicare. Um, but it's just 
based on the social needs in your community. Okay. Um, All right. So for yeah, someone because, who's yeah. So for someone who like me who's doing uh, telehealth in the whole state of Florida, it'd be kind of hard to narrow it down. I know a lot of people have suggested just start with one, <laughs> like just start yeah. with one. Yeah, and then I mean I think also just looking at the different providers in your area, just looking to see what they have. That's another good judgment on who you definitely should have. Um, some providers want to start with the basics mm-hmm. um, for credentialing and then after a couple months then they want to get the rest just because they want to f- to have those people that have those the most frequent cards um, they want to start seeing them right away okay is there like a magic number to the to the how many or like a cap of how many uh, insurance you should be cre- credentialed with eventually? Yeah. No, I think just um, what ones that work in your area, like um, you definitely want to have whatever Anthem Blue Cross is in your area. Um, if you want to join the Medicaid, um, Cigna is big. Um, United is one of the big ones. So Aetna, United, Cigna, and the Anthem are your four major ones that you should definitely get credentialed with and then any of the littler ones then in your area get credentialed with those too and with medicaid it has to be each um, insurance separately as well right yeah um some medicaids have um umbrellas underneath them so you need to also get with them so like New Hampshire, for for instance, you have the normal Medicaid, then you have um, one that's called WellSense, then you have one that's called New Hampshire Healthy Families, then you have American America, American Health Carteris that's part of them. Um, so those are three umbrellas under the Medicaid. So you want to look at the the umbrella ones too, and make sure you get in with those. Okay. Oh my gosh. So much to know. So much to learn. <laughs> um, I wanna, I'm looking at my notes here again. I just want to go back to like the very beginning. So when a, when, uh, you know, a client calls, asks if you have, if you take their insurance, they say yes. And they set up their, um, you know, I don't know their initial visit or at least get their intake form. Do you recommend getting a copy or is it required to get a copy of their insurance card or is it enough just to, with the EMRs to put it in the system? You should have a copy of their card um, just because there's sometimes that um, the patient gives you a number and then it's not the right number. So then you have to call them back and ask them for it. So it's easier just to have the card um, and then you can just put it into all your notes and your documents into the computer and you always have it, Um, especially if they have a secondary. That way you know who, you know, which one's your primary and which one's a secondary. Oh my gosh. You just open up a whole nother like <laughs> book chapter. Like what? Wait a minute. <laughs> what are we doing with secondary oh. insurance? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so secondary is a whole nother. Yes, definitely. A whole nother, whole nother can. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So 
I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I was actually just thinking about wrapping up, but now, like, now I feel like I have to know. <laughs> so what? <laughs> so, so like, what? Yeah, real quick. Like, so if the, a patient, <laughs> okay. So if a patient has, so just say like somebody has Anthem and then they have Medicaid as their secondary. Anybody? So. So their co-pays would go to their secondary and they would pay the second, if they pay their co-pay. If say they had a deductible from the primary, then you would send it to the secondary and the secondary would pay it. Um, some states, like just say the Medicaid pays you $50 and the primary pays usually like $75 and then they have a $15 co-pay it's not worth sending that $15 copay because you're not going to get anything because Medicaid pays less than what the insurance company is. So that's just a washout right there. But you definitely, if they have a secondary, anything that's owed from the primary, you send off to the secondary, the secondary will pay. But you have to make sure when you send to the secondary, you have a copy of the EOB. Okay. So you send, it, send all this stuff out first, wait for it to come back, and then send to the secondary? Yes. So you wouldn't make a per... If someone had a primary and secondary insurance, you wouldn't make them pay the copay at all in their business? No. No. No, not at all. Gotcha. Wowzers. All right. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I... Oh, my gosh. I feel like... No wonder. Like, you're... Mm, okay. I can't... I don't even know what to say. This is just insane. Um... <laughs> Yeah, kudos to you for doing this and for serving our people in uh, OT and PT and speech. Um, where can everyone find you uh, and get in touch with you if they want a billing person who's as amazing uh, and knowledgeable as you are? <laughs> they can either get me at Sarah Lane, which um, my you would think Sarah is S A R A H, but it isn't. So it, it's S A R A. And then my last name is Lane, L-A-I-N-E, and then billing at gmail.com. Or you can find me through the post that everybody always says my name about on Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. Perfect. So Facebook or Gmail, that's awesome. I will put your email in the show notes and all of your services that you offer so everyone can have more information. I really hope nothing but the best for you and your business as you continue to grow and thank Thank you you. (laughs) oh my god i had so much fun thank you so much (laughs) all right take care you too (laughs) bye if you're an occupational therapist and you want to know more about telehealth be sure to join the telehealth ot facebook group for more information i'll catch you on the next episode